0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's gonna
1: happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their
0: You got drama, yeah. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Valls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker studio here on a chilly Thursday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, just about 1.9 miles away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee will be back this weekend. The Vols, after two weeks on the road, uh, a mixed bag of results, you could say, are back home for a game that... You know, just to be quite candid, Tennessee should be pretty comfortable in. A noon Eastern game against UConn on Saturday. I believe SEC Network has the call. It is a game where Tennessee is favored by, what, 34, 35 points. It's a game Tennessee should do quite well in. It's interesting that Jim Mora Jr. is the coach of UConn. That has been an interesting development the past couple years. I don't know how often there's a former NFL head coach at a place like UConn, so uh, and after a pretty good first season that I think exceeded most expectations, the Huskies have played a lot of close games and lost a lot of close games this season. Uh, but regardless, some interesting things have happened during the week. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting things to be said about Josh Heupel's uh, Wednesday vol calls appearance. Thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, and then Thursday morning, of course, he goes back to being the most boring man on the planet as he does intentionally and gets a kick out of it so to, d- to discuss all of that and more let's go over to an undisclosed location and get to the one the only patrick brown pat what's up Wes, how's it going it goes um you know just kind of a regular old work week right it's uh uh, don't this this bag of bones doesn't get moving very well when it's like 30 degrees outside or 26 degrees when you wake up. Uh, Josh Heupel had a good time with what I wore Thursday to the press conference. I am not from South Dakota like he is. I do not enjoy this stuff, but uh it's uh it's it's still all good. Still all good. You doing all right?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's November, uh so you know, you're getting down to uh first of all, it's one of the best times of the year on the sports calendar. You yes, got Yes. Yes. College football, uh, NFL, the Titans, and Steelers play tonight. That's of interest to the Go Vols 24-7 staff, um, with Ben McKee being a, a Pittsburgh fan and Ryan Callahan being a Oilers-slash-Titans fan. The Oytons. Um The NBA is is uh, underway. Not that we need to talk any more about the NBA right now. Um, yeah,
0: it's a downer at the moment.
1: Because uh, the Grizzlies are terrible. They're probably going to go 0-82, uh, especially if John Morant does not instagram live appearances yeah they need um, they
0: need to confiscate his phone and uh, for the next couple months probably for the next and, couple and,
1: years yeah and then it's um you know it's it's getting down to the uh the nitty-gritty in college football We had some action on the other night uh just before the the yeah. playoff rankings were revealed of course uh having never watched the playoff rankings during the first however many years it was on and then uh the first time it came out the first rankings that came out last season at tennessee number one which was uh, a momentous evening. Um, so you're kind of watching that show and, and recalling that from a year ago and, and seeing what what left uh what Tennessee has left to play for. And there's a lot to play for. I mean, uh posted a, a roundup of some bowl projections today on the site. Um and you know that Tennessee's at six wins and is officially eligible to be in a bowl game. So uh there's a lot to play for and and there's a lot of football still left to be played and you're getting down to the important part of the season when um you know things are are decided and uh, there's a lot going on, and, and then it gets right into December when you're in, in roster management mode. So uh, it's a busy time of year, and uh, looking forward to having a noon game on, on Saturday after uh, a slew of uh, CBS kickoffs and some night games this yes,
0: season. Yes, yes, there is nothing – and again, not that we expect anyone to care because we don't, but the there is very there are very few things, especially as you get children in life, that will mess up your schedule more than a night Road game in the Southeastern Conference, uh, that or pretty much anywhere in college football. That's such a long night of work with podcasts and everything else, and then you got to get up and do Sunday stuff, and then it just it feels like until Wednesday the next week you're just kind of cooked, and then back to back road weeks are kind of you know that's that that's tough, and then uh, a week away from the least enjoyable road trip in this conference. Uh, Just not to be rude or put a too fine a point on it, but Columbia, Missouri is way the hell out there and way in between cities with good airports. And it is a a haul. Also, by the way, though, uh, we're talking about all the sports that are happening right now. uh, You know, college basketball is back too. And Tennessee has, in Dalton Connect, one of the most exciting offensive prospects I've seen at that program in a few years at least. A guy who really could have like a 40 point game. I mean, his offensive game is just, I mean, even Rick Barnes, who's like a critic's critic, said, yeah, his offensive game is like NBA ready right now. It just is. Like, he is, he is, his offensive game is that polished and that, that, that impressive. So, that is, I wonder how Northern Colorado won 12 games with him last season. I wonder if the rest of it was like, was it Dalton Connect and the Goval's twenty four seven staff playing out there? Is that how that team only won twelve games? That's incredible. Uh, cause there'd be games where you'd see he'd scored like twenty-eight and the rest of the team would have like twenty. I don't know,
1: <laughs> you you've never seen me play in the post now. I can you give me the right matchup, I'll I'll go to work down there. Yeah,
0: I'm telling you're gonna get a couple points and rebounds. I mean you, you know, sometimes you get the right bounce. <laughs> Just a couple. You know, I mean, hey, for those I mean you're you're going against like people like Jonas A. do. Uh, the post post game becomes a lot more difficult when you got Gumby Giraffe out there. That's why I said. Up. That's
1: why I said right matchup. If you don't get me on the right matchup, well, that's on the coach.
0: Yeah, well, just extend it, make him play out to the three point line. That's uh, that's how you. That's how you do. That's what. That's what our former coworker Grant Ramey would do. He would just park it right there at the three point line and just shoot. It's uh, that's that's definitely what he would do. But it's a really fun time of year, and there's actually some really fun, really interesting college football games this weekend. Tennessee's just not playing in one of them if we're if we're being honest if if that game becomes interesting that's not great news uh for for tennessee i i I, i've I've decided pat i'll give tennessee one quarter to like screw around and it's understandable but if it happens longer than that i'm like okay you you need to you need to get it in gear here
1: (laughs) It's interesting as I've messed up the mute on my Zoom um trying to cough right before you went to me. That's all right. Uh, UConn we, we, we is, can edit
0: we can edit this. We're good.
1: The uh UConn is one in seven, but I think it's a misleading one in seven. Yeah. This is a team that has been in a lot of close games. Um and, and they've lost four of their losses are by one score. Uh and really the only time they've been blown out twice, uh, and neither were by thirty-five points. That so Duke beat them forty one to seven. Um, that's the most they've been blown out and Georgia state jumped all over. Them. I think it was like 28, think it might've might been 35, nothing at one point, but uh, Georgia state who is uh, uh, like Tennessee, a team that spread it, you know, spreads it out. They were, you know, going up and down the field on, on UConn, but um, th- this is a team that, that played Boston college down to the wire last week. I think UConn yeah. had the football with down 21, 14 at one point mm-hmm. uh, they've, Blown leads in games this season. I think they were up seventeen. They were up fourteen or ten on Utah State and uh, lost on a blocked extra point in the final minute. They were ahead twenty-one to ten on on Alex Golish's South Florida a couple weeks ago, and, and the Bulls went on too long touchdown drives in the fourth quarter to win that game. Um, you know, this is a team that that's you look at all their numbers and they're not very good, but uh, it's a team that finds its way in into games and to be competitive uh they almost came back from a big deficit against fiu so um this this is a team that that you know if you let them stick around the the thing that we've heard from josh heupel a few times this week is how hard uh uconn plays and and you know you, you would wonder about that with a one-win team they're, they're going to be fired up to play this game uconn is because this is their first game um their last SEC game was against Vanderbilt, I think, a couple of seasons ago. And and you know there are SEC games, and then there's playing at Vanderbilt. So yeah, uh, I wasn't. Gonna show
0: I, I wasn't. I was going to put it in in subtler language, but yes, that is that is. And, I sure
1: mean, it is. you get much more excited to play at Neyland Stadium than you do at, at whatever they're calling that half stadium as it as it exists right now. But um, you know that they're they're going to be they're going to be ready to play. I think Jim Moore is, you know he did a miracle with that that program last season, how mm-hmm. they were able to. You know, they lost their starting quarterback like a series into the opener, and played a freshman at quarterback and still pieced it together. Their leading rusher last season was a freshman. Um, you know, their their best running back now might be a guy that was playing defense halfway through last season. So, uh, and and they've got some experience on the offensive line. They got a couple of guys that are maybe fringe NFL prospects, Senior Bowl radar guys. So, um, every team's got good players, and, and that's something that we've heard from from Tennessee's coaches and players this week is that if you're not focused, if you're if you're not you're handling your business during the week and if you're not sharp on, on saturday you can get yourself in a game uh, that you don't want to be in and so i think tennessee's goal in this game uh they, they've got it there's a few little things but i think the big overarching things is is, is you want to get your guys in get them in get a lead get some good execution and get them out i mean i know high poll says that they you know they haven't played four quarters this season i think they would probably take two and a half to three quarters and then yeah. empty the bench from there i think that would be an ideal situation for this game and uh, I think UConn's probably going to have issues moving the football and scoring because they're sort of a run first team, and um, you know, the, you know, they're they're not going to be able to really probably block Tennessee very well, um, as as a lot of teams haven't. So um, it's going to be about the offense handling its business to get the lead, and then uh, everyone's talking about getting Nico in and all that, but you got to go out and play the game, and you got to get yourself in position to have the game one to. To, to do that and, and that's got to be the focus for tennessee going into saturday
0: yeah i mean when, when you play a team that that's got a former nfl head coach even if he wasn't like a legendarily great nfl head coach he still was an nfl head coach and the son of an nfl head coach and so y- you've probably got a guy there in mora who if uconn wants to can kind of find some ways to really kind of shorten this game and to kind of, you know, just put in a couple things there, just move the chains a few times, you know, get on the ball, try to find a way to keep Tennessee's offense off the field, frustrate things. That would be one thing to look out for. And then the second thing would be, I always think about this, when you are playing a team that has a record like UConn's at this point in the year, there is obviously it's a game that Tennessee almost certainly is going to win, but there's always a danger present in playing a team that has absolutely zero to lose. And this isn't this isn't even like Vandy late in the season where they're having a bad year and and they're it's an in-state rival. This is a game where like UConn really. I mean, if they get embarrassed, who cares? Like They could, in theory, go out there and do anything in this game. They could run some of the craziest stuff you've ever seen. They could try drives almost entirely of trick plays. I'm not saying they will, but why would you not do a little bit of stuff like this in this game? If you're a UConn, you're, you've got at least an SEC Network noon audience for your program. You've got nothing to lose. You've lost a bunch of close games this season does it really benefit you to sit there and play in another kind of close-ish game where you're just kind of there and running the clock? And man, I, I would expect them to go out there and try some stuff. I, I don't, I don't see, I mean, what are you going to do? Embarrass yourself more than being a one and seven football team, go out there and have some fun.
1: Yeah. That's the, uh, that's pretty much what we saw Austin Peay do earlier this season. Yes, when they came to they the did season. everything, they, they man. They did everything. They didn't, they didn't show up to just collect the paycheck and it kind of caught the Tennessee off guard. And I, I think, and, uh, that was just sort of a, an off, Afternoon from the start with not running through the T and then Austin p gets the forty-something yard run on fourth and two right on its opening drive and it's just kind of weird from there and uh, if you're Tennessee you gotta you gotta avoid a repeat of that and you've got to avoid a stretch like they had uh, against UTSA in the third quarter where you give up a long touchdown drive right down the field you go three and out and then you give up a touchdown drive again with a big play at the end of it so. And all of a sudden, a, a thirty-one point game that you know you're maybe a series or two away from from emptying your bench. All of a sudden, it's you know it, it's it's not it's not playing out how you wanted it to. So, um, you know, the, the Josh Hyper likes to say these games are always about Tennessee. I, I think um, uh, Tennessee should be able to run the football in this game. UConn is, I think, 99th in and run defense. That's not ideal. Uh, not the great. Two, I think the two spreadiest teams. I just made up that word. Uh, that they played were Georgia State and of course South Florida with with Alex Golish. Those teams ran for two fifty plus on on UConn. So, um, if you can get them spread out, you can kind of gash them up in the middle. They do have a linebacker. I should point out Jackson Mitchell who had I'm trying to remember this 120 tackles in 21 and 140 last season. That's a lot. So you need to block him because if he doesn't, he's probably going to tackle your guys um yeah but but, that also could be
0: a little bit like those years where like every year kentucky had like the sec's leading tackler for a while because it wasn't very good and it you know was going fast on offense and putting points up there with couch and those guys so like they would have a guy have like 100 million tackles in a season just because they were always on the field but still like he's probably a good player
1: yeah and then um uh they uh they've got a couple defensive ends that i think are, are decent players um and so you got to, you got to contain those guys. I mean, you, you can't just show up if you're, you know, one of these, if you're one of Tennessee's offensive tackles, you can't just show up. You got to watch film on these guys and know how they play and, and know how to, and be ready for the physical, you know, the individual battles. And, uh, defensively, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Tennessee can get its pass rush going. Cause that's kind of been, it's been a little bit blunted, uh, held in check maybe is the way we should describe it with emphasis on held a lot of yeah. times. Yeah. Um, quite, liter- so quite it, literally, quite literally and, and UConn is—they've uh, got a right guard that's probably going to play in the NFL, and, and they've only given up like eleven sacks this season. So they're—they're they're among the nation uh, national leaders and uh, and fewest sacks allowed. So um, they—they're probably going to throw a lot of quick stuff and try to you know not let James Pierce and Tyler Berry and those guys wreck the game. But uh, I, I think getting home is is something that they're going to be emphasizing for Tennessee, and and you want to see if if those things can transpire. But to your point, Wes, I think. You, you do have to be ready for anything, um, and, and you have to be sharp and, and get off to a good start because you don't want to let a team uh, if if UConn does show up with the energy of Austin P, where they're kind of coming to, you know, make things uncomfortable and and you know, what's the best word? You know, they're not just showing up to get the paycheck and go home. You know, they're kind of showing up to mess things up and, and be a nuisance and, and kind gonna, of piss everybody off.
0: Yeah, they're going to put can't in a team like that. Yeah, they're going to put in
1: a You can't let a team like that stick around. Um, they did that against Austin Peay earlier this season, last year's team. I don't know what Akron was doing. They were trying to kind of muck. They were trying to like win the fight and lose the game and Tennessee blew them out and, you know, and, and got out of that one pretty quickly. Um, but they got to, they got to be better in this. You know, they need more of a UTSA kind of game than, than an Austin P kind of game. And I'm sure the staff and uh, the leadership on the team too, because you got to keep guys focused. And uh, I mean, because it's human nature, right? I mean, we're talking about it. You know, you wouldn't blame these these college players for thinking, you know, hey, we just played Texas A&M, Alabama, Kentucky. That's probably the toughest three-game stretch of the season and now we're playing Yukon. It's not it's easy to just look at this game and say, yeah, it'll be easy, it'll be a breather. We don't have to play as hard, we don't have to work as hard." You can maybe let your guard down a little bit and and if you do that, you have a chance to to get in a situation that uh, even if you win by 21, it's it's you don't play how you want to play. You don't get to get some of your young guys and some of the guys that have been working hard behind the scenes, get them some playing time that, that they deserve, that those guys work for. Um, and, and so that can lead to a situation where you don't want to be in. So Tennessee's got to come out and handle its business, and, and they've got to start fast and and kind of keep it together um, and and really try to get this game done and dusted, get the young guys some experience, and, and get on to, to Missouri.
0: Yeah, and if I'm UConn and I watched film of Tennessee last week, I'm, I'm 1,000% getting rid of the ball as quickly as possible and I'm just throwing the ball in, in matchups to those against those Tennessee corners and saying listen if they make a play they make a play but they got to prove they can do it because without Kamal Haddon Tennessee secondary did not look great I mean it, it, it that whole thing's tied together because the pass rush not getting home is the first part and you know it's easy so easy to just completely pin everything on a secondary when in reality the whole thing is connected on a string and you've got to have the pass rush getting home to be part of it because i don't care what level of football you're playing i don't care what opponent you're playing you're not going to be able to you know cover somebody for that long you're not you're not going to be able to to keep all the receivers covered tightly in like seven, eight seconds. Like it's just, it's just never going to happen. You got to get home. You got to get there and, 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 affect the quarterback. But if I'm them, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to mix in some trick plays. Cause why not? and then I'm going to throw the ball to the perimeter pretty quickly a lot. I mean, every kind of perimeter screen that exists, I'm throwing it in this game. Every single kind of perimeter screen that exists, you know, bubbles, middles, whatever you got, like swing passes, you know, I'm doing that stuff all day long a little bit off and on because I just think Tennessee's got to prove that its corners can handle You know, because we've seen now, I mean, there's one game, Pat, I don't, before we go to break, I think we do need to discuss this. You know, we've seen Tennessee's secondary for all of what, one game and change without Kamal Haddon? Because he came back out for the second half against Alabama, but he, he didn't, he was on and off the field. He wasn't playing great. So basically it's been somewhere between four and six quarters without Haddon. And in that sample size, uh, decidedly not great results, I think we we could say. Um, it has not been the same. We're seeing proof positive that Haddon is exactly what we eventually all came to see him as, a guy who a vast majority of the time was by far the team's best corner and then would occasionally blow up in the most spectacular way. But overall, consistency-wise, <laughs> Their best player out there, and, and so without him, they got to prove they can they can handle it.
1: Yeah, and I think you know I think the takeaway from that 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 stretch or or times where Tennessee has struggled defending the pass is that, <clears throat> um, you know you, you take away this team's strength, which is getting after the quarterback, you can you know you take away any team's strength, you are going to be able to take advantage of it. And, yeah. and Tennessee is you know listening to Tim Banks this week talking about how you know some of those pass rushers are getting more attention; they're getting chipped off the edges. They're getting seven-man protections where, where teams are keeping backs and, and tight ends into block. and um, That's a, a sign of respect, but it's also something as a player and as a staff you have to work through because you have to find ways as a player to get that advantage back in your favor. and As a staff, you have to scheme ways, whether that's blitzing, whether that's lining guys up differently for matchup purposes, whether that's more games up front like they do. They They do a lot of things up front where they're trying to uh, twists and and overloading one side and things like that. So um, that that's something that as you get into deep into a season, everybody's got film on you and they're going to find ways to try to take away what you do best. Tennessee staff does that as well. Uh, we saw with the you know the emphasis on stopping Kentucky's run game last week and and that worked. And, and you know I don't know if these other teams are telling their offensive linemen to hold and and see how many times you can get away with it. But uh, Alabama and Kentucky have gotten away with it a lot. I don't know if that'll continue, but um since these pass rushers guys like pierce and baron those guys can't get down they can't get frustrated they can't try to do too much where they're not playing in, in the structure of the defense but yeah to your point uconn is not really a, a i wouldn't call them a vertical passing game in any case they're they're uh, they're going to be quick and and they'll throw some screens and uh they'll, they'll do a lot of things I, they're 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 really a run first team they love to run an outside zone kind of stretch play so i think that's going to stress some of the linebackers to make sure that they take away those cutback lanes Mm -hmm. Um, with, with a guy like uh, I think their top running back right now is is Cam Edwards. He's a guy that that has had two pretty good games coming in, had a 30 yard touchdown against BC last week. Uh, Victor Rosa is their best is their other running back. He's a, I think he had like a 71 yard touchdown against NC state in the first game on a play like that, where he hits a seam and and gets vertical and and gets loose. And so uh, UConn's, yeah, you would expect them to maybe pull out all the stops, go into the bag of tricks, but uh, they're also got, not going to want to get too out of character, and they're, they're a team that wants to run run the football and play defense. So um, they're going to try to slow the game down for sure, so you got to get off the field on third down if you're Tennessee. And, uh, and defending the pass, I think it's, it's kind of like when an offense struggles, everyone blames the quarterback, whether the quarterback yeah. is really fully to blame or not, when you give up 372 passing yards to a guy that was averaging 130 passing yards in his previous four SEC games. Everyone's going to play in the secondary, but I don't think the linebackers is very good in coverage zone or man. Uh, there were a few plays where Roman Harrison got caught out in coverage uh, when they brought his own blitz and kind of dropped him into the flat. He was able to throw some passes to the tight end on him. Uh, so it's a group effort, and it does start with a pass rush. And As I mentioned earlier, uh, can Tennessee, you know, had one sack last week. Can they get home a little bit more? Can they get back to being sort of a dominant front? Because they're going to need that group to uh, really lead the way if they're going to Beat Missouri and beat Georgia and and take care of Vanderbilt at the end of the season. So they need that group back on track, and uh, they're playing an offense that that doesn't really give up a lot of sacks. So that'll be interesting to watch in this game, and uh, and obviously the pass defense and the secondary they need to get they need to get Denico Slaughter playing better. I don't I don't know if he's still not one hundred percent. I don't know if his confidence is not in a great spot after giving up some plays. Yeah, Um, it seems like a little bit of both, but he he played some good football last season. We really haven't seen that this season because he got two games in, gets hurt. He's been working his way back, um, and, and I think having the injury sort of maybe affected him mentally a little bit. He kind of talked about that a few weeks ago. But uh, if they get him back on track, I think Gabe Giuliali is playing pretty good football. If they can get yeah. Slaughter back on track and maybe get something from uh those other veterans that are going to spell those the starters, then, th- then they'll be okay. But uh, that this is a, a get right game for for that group for sure.
0: Yeah, and when you're playing in uh, you know either an outside zone, inside zone run team, the the gap integrity on defense the run fits are really really important you've got to be disciplined because if you give them a cutback these are division one athletes they're going to make you pay for that so you got to get some things right you've got to you know you've just got to take care of business just don't just don't don't flub your lines go out there give a performance put in a shift get it done move on and let the young guys play some because they they need the reps because the staff is not traditionally great, better on defense this season in fairness, but the staff of of all the wonderful things it has done during its time at Tennessee, I don't think getting reps to other guys uh, has been the strength. I don't I don't think that's been what they've done best. I think we can all acknowledge that to some degree or another. But there there's a lot that they've done right. A hell of a lot more right than wrong, but nothing's perfect in I think getting those young guys some reps is something that would help. So we got a lot more to discuss, though. We're slightly overdue for a break, so we're going to come back uh, after a break, step away, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, etc., and then be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here on a chilly, as you would expect for early November, a chilly afternoon, late afternoon here in God's Own. Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles here at Fort Rucker Studio away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee will play UConn. On Saturday, the Vols, who are 17th in the college football playoff rankings, uh, can have a chance to put in a good win, get some guys some reps, get a get get right game, a feel good game after what's been a a rough stretch, just physically rough the past three weeks. You know, I, I think other than a couple, other than the second half against Alabama, I think it's been a pretty pretty solid three weeks of football for Tennessee, considering the circumstances. But you, you, the second half at Alabama is something that no one's going to forget for a long time. Hope that's a learning lesson. You, if you're a Tennessee fan, you got to hope it is, and that Tennessee will move forward from that. But regardless, UConn is the opponent this weekend. Lots more to discuss about that. And before we get to that, just a quick uh, reminder, request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that. If you're just listening on the website at govals 247com nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast, but it does help us out quite a bit more if you go in there, Uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go 24-7 podcast. We do it for free, happy to do it, labor of love, no complaints. But since we do it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask. To go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell everybody that you know that has orange in their wardrobe. Anybody you see out there wearing a Tennessee hat, Tennessee shirt, Tennessee fans are all a, a big community anyway, right? No matter where you go in the world, certainly anywhere I've gone on vacation, anywhere, including out of this country a few times, uh, you see Tennessee fans in airports and around places, you know, go. you're going to talk to those people anyway, probably. So go out there and tell them about this podcast. If you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Right back to it here, Pat. Let's talk about something I think is kind of interesting. Maybe only I think it's interesting, and that's totally fair if I'm the only one who does find it interesting. But there's been a trend the past few weeks. I think we all know by now, or if you're like a Tennessee football super fan, like the kind of fan who, you know, immediately keeps all of our live updates for press conferences right there on your phone and you're, you're just locked in all the time. Those people certainly know by this point that Josh Heupel's Thursday morning press conference is a bit of a eh. It's just kind of a thing everybody shows up for. Uh, I did laugh this morning. Heiple walked in like a guy who he scanned the room, and he was like, oh, really small crowd today, and was super happy with himself, like he knew he had won the battle, and fewer people were there because he had bored them into submission on Thursday mornings. Uh, But we we had a little fun anyways, Uh, clocked in, I think, at like a mean 3.56 or whatever on the presser this morning. Uh, Not a lot is said there because he's kind of already in Saturday mode, but... At least the past couple weeks, Pat, we have seen the 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 saltiest Josh Heupel on those Wednesday night vol calls shows. He is uh, a couple weeks in a row. Not
1: not as salty as Dabo Swinney.
0: Yeah, no, no, he's not. He's not. Uh, he's not <laughs> telling anyone to get off the bandwagon. He's not. Uh, you know, making really unfortunate like self harm jokes. He's not like you know, telling people they're well, part of the problem. He's not you right. Know, and telling
1: people to apply for his job. If they think, you know, they're criticizing yeah, him. Yeah, I actually, I actually, here's my hot take. I love that Dabo rant. First of all, it was entertaining as hell.
0: It was entertaining. Second
1: of all, he is entitled to defend himself and defend his program against, uh, what he may view as, as unfair criticism. And I think there's probably something to people getting spoiled, but, uh, people aren't listening to this podcast to talk about Clemson, although that they've, might, you know... They're uh,
0: probably enjoying it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tennessee fans are probably, yeah, like you said, they're enjoying... That's I a know, that's Everybody's a threat. probably... That's
0: in, a threat to Tennessee in recruiting. We've seen that several it, times in recent years. That is a Tennessee... Right. They go head-to-head a lot.
1: Right. That is a... Uh, a, 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 a everybody's enjoying the... Between the, the Clemson uh meltdown and the Michigan shenanigans, this has been a very entertaining season off the field. Um, yeah. So far. No, he... Yeah, we still got... And we still got a month left, but yeah, uh, I was not one of the people at Heupel's, uh press conference this week because it's UConn week and I used one of my get out of jail free cards. Uh, it was this one and I think UTSA maybe that I uh, might have skipped or I might have been Austin P. I can't remember, but
0: so we're seeing a trend uh, here for non-conference, <laughs> non-conference, non-bangers. Uh, well, it, we, we used to, to send all four people there though. And we'd sit there at the end of those Thursday things and we'd all drive to campus, which for me is a second I could like barrel roll over, over there. But like, y'all got to get in cars and drive a little ways and get there. And it's like, we would all four go there and it'd be like four and a half minutes. And it's like, why did we do this again? Just so we could film our standups. Like what, what are we, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, previous coaches in Tennessee have not had anything on Thursday. Correct. So I I guess I appreciate Heifel for wanting to see us that one last time. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, he's, uh, he's usually – the hay is not necessarily in the barn by that point, but uh, whatever hay is left out is he doesn't want to miss it, if that makes sense. So he's not trying to spend too much time talking to us. And really by Thursday – you know, we've talked about the game a lot. We've talked about guy the previous game and things that stood out. We've talked about individual stories, whether it be you know, John Campbell this week or you know, there's been a lot of Charles Campbell talk to after his, his field goals mm-hmm. last week. So all that stuff's kind of done from, from our side of it too. I mean, there's you know, there there's you're not gonna unearth a, a great storyline probably Thursday. You've probably addressed it in, in some form or fashion on Monday, Tuesday. Or Wednesday, so... Oh,
0: yeah. Fulmer used to give his his, uh, injury reports on Thursdays when he was the coach. So he would come out there after Thursday and have, like, an actual injury report that he would give us. They would also release the travel squad for road games on Thursdays. Like, it used to be, like it used to be like an interesting day of of the week, but then a bunch of other coaches came and they never did anything on Thursdays. And we got used to never doing anything on Thursdays, uh, except for like, you know, recording podcasts and video stuff and the other things that we do. And now it's like, we get up and do that and we're like, Oh wait, it's still, why why are we doing this? Um,
1: I feel like I recall didn't didn't Lane do stuff on Thursday? I was uh, I was still at UT as, as it was my senior year. He in 2009, might have done something on
0: Thursdays, maybe. I
1: feel like I recall one of my days where I interned at, at Channel Ten, which is the NBC affiliate here. If you're not an Oxnidian and don't know, um, and so I feel like I recalled us going to get post practice stuff on Thursdays. Usually, that meant waiting for Monty Kiffin or hoping that he would you know stop by for a minute or two, since he was kind of. Maybe elusive is that the word it's hard to say that he was a, he an just, older gentleman he, he, even then. He
0: just wanted to coach ball. That's all he wanted to do. That's, that's, <laughs> right. At that point, he's like, there's no NFL um, requirement that he talk, he just wants to coach ball.
1: And so myself and the uh the guy Wyatt Clemmer, who uh, I don't know if he listens to this podcast, shout out Wyatt. Um, but uh he uh I feel like I recall we go to practice, we go to campus to get posts, so we go get food and then go shoot whatever the high school game was on Thursday night. Um, or he would drag me to those things, and I would be a nuisance. Is basically what it was. Sure, sure. Um, so, um, uh, but yeah, the, yeah, the people probably ask them then, you know, why is he having a press conference? Why does he talk? It's just he sets the schedule, and that's what he wants to do. I don't know if yeah. it'll ever disappear. I don't. We won't have to be there on Thanksgiving. I feel pretty confident saying that uh, in a few weeks. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's left- all, it is always interesting because he does, like you said he gets a little bit more chatty at vlog calls and that's definitely a, a situation where, you know, he's talking to Bob Kessing and he's talking to, to Brent hubs and there's kind of more of a natural back and forth. There's fans yeah. there. He, you know, kind of is a little bit more relaxed in those scenarios because he's getting questions from fans. And, you know, in some cases he's kind of giving it back to him a little bit when he got a question the other night about the red zone offense, he was like, ah, I'm not surprised I'm getting this one. Yeah, I was <laughs> and,
0: waiting on this one.
1: So, yeah, having a good time with it. And somebody asked about the Chaz Nimrod touchdown. And, you know, like I like those big plays. And Hype's like, I, yeah, you like those, don't you? Yeah, um, I would imagine. So,
0: I would imagine, yeah. Uh,
1: and so, nice. yeah, it's it's just a different setting. And um, he he does kind of walk in with like a grin on his face on Thursdays where he's like, what y'all got for me today? What Are y'all, yeah. y'all going to try yeah. anything on well, me today? Well, because
0: last season we started laughing because it became the running joke was I was going to ask him about Cedric Tillman every Thursday, and every single Thursday he was going to say, yeah, we'll know a little bit more on Friday and Saturday. Even though he knew full and damn well that Cedric Tillman wasn't playing, it just became a running joke. We all knew he probably wasn't playing, but it's like I still got to tell people we asked, right? It's one of the dumbest things that I don't think people understand sometimes, and I understand why they don't understand it, but it's like we have to at least ask Ask a question, even if we know he's not going to answer it, because we're going to write a story on it. Which means, unless it's a column, we have to say that we asked. Like that's the that's the appropriate news thing to do is to say, "By the way, we are writing this story. Would you care to comment on what we are reporting here?" And so that that's why we have to ask. And so it just kind of became a running joke where he was like, "Oh, where's Wes with the injury question?" And you know, just because we had fun with it, but uh, yeah, I mean, by Thursday, his. Uh his hay might not be in the barn, Pat, but his uh, talking to the talking publicly hay is in the barn at that point. He comes in. He's nice. He's always nice. Hypel's always a nice guy. But he's like, yeah, yeah well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see it. tomorrow. And, you know, uh, what's we'll it? Tough, tough opponent. You know, it's a tough, tough game. We'll see. And be like, hey, Josh. Good just, injury
1: practice all week. Yeah. Like the guys. He's
0: never talked about a bad that. practice. Never, I've, I've never heard him come out that I can remember and be like, it was just a bad practice today. He's never – any of those thoughts that he has, he keeps uh, internalized. He never comes out and says it was a bad practice. But the whole thing was that on Wednesdays, he has come out and said some stuff. Come out and said some stuff. You know, this week he was asked about the end of the first half there, which was a good question because it was one of those times where it made sense for Tennessee to kind of go a little bit slower early in the drive, make sure you don't leave time on the clock for Kentucky to go score and and possibly you know, you know, change that game a little bit, and so he he. It's one of those things where you run and you run, and if you get a first down, then you go quickly, and, and that's what they did, and they got probably the benefit of the doubt on that Ramel Keaton call on the sideline. Uh, I think I don't think that was a catch, but I I don't know that you can one hundred percent overturn it, and I also think that one hundred percent it was buzzed in after. It was buzzed in after the play was done. It was. Like, we've discussed that before, but that Tennessee had run a play, and then they're like, oh, by the way, we buzzed this before the play. No, you didn't, or you would have stopped the play. But regardless, that whole thing happened, The Kentucky fans are mad, and I don't blame them. Uh, And then it gets down there to the end, and it's pretty clear that Squirrel White is down and the timeout or whatever has been called with at least nine, maybe ten seconds on the clock. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say nine, but at the time – Anyone who was sitting near me would probably remember that I said it's that's wrong. It's like nine or ten seconds. It's wrong. It was very clear at the time that it was wrong, and because they had it at six, and then they did the review. The review, you know, review, and they put seven seconds on there, and I was like, "Hmm, that's well, still think, not right." Uh, then
1: the, they let the clock run a little bit, and I think Heiple during the timeout asked them to look at it, and, and they and he did. He said after the game that they came back with seven, and he said this like he was mystified that, that
0: yeah and, and so like then, he
1: got he got the answer but he didn't either agree with the answer he clearly didn't agree with the answer but he was also confused by the answer um and so that, that that's two big seconds because i think if there were nine seconds left, i think tennessee's taking a shot
0: 1000 percent air. tennessee's running he a play with nine one at
1: seven um but, i think that's kind of the extent of his answer after the game the other night in lexington he expounded on a little bit more on wednesday night though and saying that basically he didn't really trust the clock operator if they threw a pass down the field with seven seconds left, threw a shot to the end zone, that he that they would stop it, right? Yeah. And you know we've seen some of those situations where, um, you know they kind of let the clock run a little bit, one or two seconds. You know that, I, I who, I guess we got to get into a discussion of who actually controls the clock. Is it a is it a Homer in the in, in blue in Lexington? Is there, you know, is there a guy in orange at Nealon that does it? That you know was making sure. To last season against Alabama, that when Drew McCoy made that catch, he's...
0: He had, mashed he had a in couple the button. seconds. Is it a
1: guy on the sideline, a, a referee? Is there like an alternate official? I believe... Official I, I think, think it, it, it's game?
0: supposedly... A, it's a neutral official somewhere who who is supposed to be running the clock because they never would let someone like... You know, up in Nealon's press box, do it for Tennessee right. or Kentucky. So it's not like it's like a high school basketball game in some cases. <laughs> before they had the tap thing where they can do it themselves, where where like the officials have now the tap thing. But they they would do it, and you're like, hmm, something fishy's there. But then that happened, and then after that, because Hypo, I think he was right at that point. You're like, hey, there's only seven seconds. We got a timeout, but I, I'm not trusting after what I just saw. I don't trust that they're going to run this clock correctly, so I'm going to go ahead and take the three points in the field goal. And then, just to prove his point again, he did not mention this, but it absolutely happened. Tennessee kicked a 34-yard field goal. A 34-yard field goal with a snap, a set, a hold, a kick, ball traveling in the air, hitting the net, officials making the sign in two seconds.
1: Two Charles Campbell's seconds. legs just must be, he must have like a rocket. Yeah, and,
0: and Matthew Solansky snapping must at... just rocket it back there, too. I mean, two <laughs> seconds. And and that became interesting because at that point, Kentucky does have one of the best kick returners in college football. So at that point, you're saying, wait, two seconds right off the clock on that kick. Hmm, I could see one or two seconds being left, but five seconds being left, that was that whole operation was suspicious AF. It was not, and so I don't blame Heupel for anything that he would say about that, but I think it's interesting that he has found what he thinks, I think, is his coach's show where he's out there casually with fans and stuff, and he can kind of say things that maybe he wouldn't say in a press conference because he's like, I bet they won't get as mad at me if I say it in this yeah, kind of setting.
1: He's he's pretty much just not talked about officiating at all uh, at this point. Um, which has right. been objectively I
0: mean, he, bad the past two weeks I mean he, no, live a, no live ball penalties no
1: live ball penalties he got asked yeah last, after the last two games he got a, a mortal combat two hand touch question against Alabama yeah. and silent treatment silent treatment did it uh, he got an innocuous question just about how you know Tennessee wasn't able to get pressure on Devin Leary and did the same thing uh, going back to this you know this thread of him talking more on ball calls he, he got asked about pass interference penalties I can't remember maybe after the Texas St. and M game. Yep. And he was like, you know, it, it's being called less, it's being called basically inconsistently, which is 100% true. Um and so
0: Well, he said that you know, he, he's
1: been he's been built up over the the officiating over the last few games now. So it it it's not it would not be a surprise for him in the in the moment on that Saturday night to be like I don't trust that they're going to get this right. So I'm just going to take my 3 points and go to halftime yeah, I basically. Mean,
0: it's been it's been a slow simmer over a few weeks now. And that Texas A&M one, I remember after it, that, after that game because he was asked on the vol calls, a fan basically asked like, "You know, obviously they're calling it a little bit differently this season." And he said, "Or they're not calling it correctly, depends on your viewpoint." Right. And I was like, "Oh. Oh, like that it, like the spidey sense was going off at that point like, "Oh, that's interesting." That's interesting.
1: Yeah, and um yeah and it should and again they had this crew i think for the austin p game uh which was also not uh officiated very well there was the uh, is that the game where there was a fumble that well, was clearly a fumble that they didn't even like they they looked at it came back and determined it was it's not a fumble not a fumble and, and, and there like, were a couple of um,
0: completely clear personal foul penalties that were just let they'd let them slide um yeah, that, that whole thing was uh, that crew has uh, I don't I, I I let me go on record of saying this, Pat. I do not believe whatsoever in officiating conspiracy theories. I do not believe in them. I just don't. I don't we believe We only
1: believe in science stealing and sharing with South Carolina conspiracy theories.
0: Now just cause that's just that that <laughs> one's just fun and, and the um the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The um, not the crystal clear evidence, but the circumstantial evidence
1: is, at, overwhelming.
0: is overwhelming for that two week stretch for South Carolina. And so you look back at it and you go, mm, I bet there's some going on there. You just it just makes sense. It adds up. It adds up. But 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 I don't think there's a conspiracy theory from my end. I don't I just think they're not great at what they do. And the for a league that has this much money. To consistently have guys that are not—it's a thankless job. It's hard to do. If you do it correctly, no one knows who you are. If you do it badly, everyone knows who you are. Well, it sucks, right. but so like you got to be better. If
1: you have, yeah, if you have a bad game for Tennessee, Austin P. and you come back and you're doing Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, there were there were fans on our in our game thread that were like, "Oh, it's this crew." I mean, they're never going to forget Ken Williamson, even yeah. whether he's a Tuscaloosa real realtor or not. Um, Connor Stallions, yeah, I'm with, Connor Stallions. I'm with you. Call. I don't, I don't think that anybody has a conspiracy theory outside of the Alabama stuff. Now, I, I don't think, I don't think we're jumping on too far a limb to say that Alabama gets taken care of in Tuscaloosa. Good luck to LSU this weekend. You're going to need it. Um,
0: There's, a There's a lot of There's a lot of circumstantial evidence. The circumstantial evidence there is also, I won't say right. it's overwhelming, but it's, it's interesting. It's interesting.
1: Right, and so, but. Yeah, that that was, um, you know, yeah. there's been a few officiating discussions from Hypo on on ball calls. He also talked a little bit. Something you thought was interesting, I didn't think was as interesting. Was yeah, got why got they had been down, slowing it down? Got the shut down on the that red one red real
0: quick. You and Ryan both were like Matumbo. Well, back. we just
1: we just shared our opinions, and everybody has different opinions. That's all right. That's that's America, right? right. I mean, yes. um, now, you know, usually your opinions are wrong.
0: I mean, some would say, some would say that. Of course, then some would look at our picks segment in the week and be like, "A lot of my opinions, which are just blind guesses, happen to be correct."
1: Yeah, you are you are kicking our butts in the uh, in the picks. I faded uh, last year pain. bad
0: though. Last year I faded bad. It was like a. It was like the uh, like I'm trying to think of like a famously. It was like a that year that Tennessee basketball was so great for a couple months and then just. That was me in the kind picks last most season. Most years, isn't it? Seems that way, yes, unfortunately for for them. But yeah, I uh yeah, that's what I did in the picks last
1: season. One thousand percent. So so yeah, uh speaking of picks, I looked up uh you know, I, I saw our records and I was like, Hey, we're like we're doing pretty good. We're well over five hundred. I was reading the, the picks column that uh Brad Crawford and Chris Hummer do for uh for twenty four seven sports. I always like to see what they do, the games they pick, um what they pick and they're like trying to like Trying to get back to five hundred, I look at mine and I'm like, "We're twenty against up games over 500. I remember that like we we picked all the SEC slash top twenty five games against FCS teams that don't have lines when we when we do them. Mm-hmm. So we got like twenty free games. Anyways, hey, I did look, the math look and at, like look, I would be dead five hundred <laughs> without those games. Look which, at
0: the non conference. Look look at like I mean, look at the non conference games. I mean, Tennessee plays Austin P. Right? You get a couple of slant you get a couple of layups.
1: Well, they didn't even come close to covering that game because those lines don't come out till like right before kickoff, but. Um yeah, the, the 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 obviously the red zone offense has been uh quite the discussion point for Tennessee over the past several weeks because they have not been very good at scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh they have kicked a lot of field goals, but you, you want to be scoring touchdowns. They were so good in the red zone last season. Mm-hmm. Uh they were really good at everything on offense last season, pretty much. And yeah. uh since the since the Virginia game where they were seven for seven, they it's I think they're like twelve in the last thirty. Their last 30 redstone trips, I think they scored 12 touchdowns. They're bottom of the SEC in touchdown, Which is gross. Inside the 20, which is bad. And it's not a typical at all of a, of a Josh Heupel team. And so uh one of the questions that somebody asked the other night or, or Wednesday night was about why they kind of get down there and slow it down. Um and, and his answer was, um I thought it was self-explanatory because, I mean, we all watch it. We all know. True. usually – Usually Jalen Wright has run them down there. He gets tired has to come out, so they have to sub, and that slows the tempo down. And um, as as Hypo pointed out, teams are taking their sweet time. I don't think he's throwing a grenade there because Tennessee does it too. We've seen Tennessee uh, lightly jog guys off when they're when they're doing some of those wholesale line changes. On Kentucky the last front. week
0: did one of the funniest and ones I've ever seen. They had a guy basically doing like a like a like a supermodel catwalk. It and, was and fantastic.
1: I think and Tennessee did it too because I made. I think I made a comment at one point that that it might take Elijah Simmons most of the quarter to get off the mm-hmm. field when they subbed him out. He's he's big guy. He's this is a long way from him. So yeah, that, a long way for him. So short I'm not gonna short strides. Short,
0: short strides.
1: Right, and I'm sure on the sideline they're like, "Slow it down, slow it down." And he's take like, "Yes, time. please."
0: He's like, "Yes, please."
1: Right, and so I mean, uh, and they you know Tennessee and the SEC, you know, teams that are playing on the elements of doing that. You're kind of seeing that sometimes if you if you watch a lot of football on Saturdays and Sundays, you'll see. Yeah teams kind of milk that a little bit. Um, but he uh, and he said that, you know, sometimes they slow it down on purpose, too, to because they sub. Sometimes they slow it down. I thought this was a, the case earlier this season when it was hot. So Tennessee's not really hitting a lot of big, you know, they're having to be more methodical this season, it feels yeah. like, more 8, 9, 10-play touchdown drives, and that's a lot on those offensive linemen. I know that they're, you know, they pride themselves on being in con- better condition than the defensive line to, you know, that those guys are tired, but we're not, but they get tired. I mean, it's it's hard. Um, you know, those guys are big, and they're having to. You know, they don't get a lot of break time. So, a couple times in the red zone, I think if you can get on the ball, but then give them thirty seconds to catch their breath, you could do that. And you can, as Hypo pointed out, they try to get into the right play with some of the check with me stuff for their calling plays from the sideline. So, um, yeah, and it just, I think a lot of things that have gone on about this offense have just shown how special last season's offense was because they were just a machine at all times. And, yeah. and Especially like with taking it. out one of
0: their best players and they were still just a machine.
1: Right. I mean, they just it, – it was all seamless. And I think that's – I think I think that's been one of their issues in, on some of their short yardage stuff because it seemed like last season when they got into third and one, they were like immediately into whatever they were doing and it worked because defenses weren't ready. It seems like they're just a little bit slower this season. I'm not sure if that's Joe. I'm not sure if that's a difference in, in having – Different eyes in the box with with Alex Golish gone and now Joey Halsley in that role and someone else in Halsley's old role. How how they you know, they we're not going to get into the weeds on that because no one tells us what, what the weeds are on, on those situations because that's just kind of how things are I, these I, days. I
0: think the weeds are hypo is doing just about everything, but I think that was the case with Goalish too. I am really just
1: talking about the the operation in terms of true. Uh, okay, you know, yeah. They they had a they had, had a system with Golish and Halsley in the booth. And how and you know the guy the sig the signal guys they've been running that operation for three years now mm-hmm. and this is the first year with this group uh you know whatever so uh, it just seems like they're they're you know they are slowing it down in, in the red zone and and trying to get into better play calls trying to maybe give some guys a, a breather sometimes having to sub guys out because like I said uh, there's been a lot of times where Dalen Wright gets two three big runs and they're going fast and and he's got to tap out because he's you know, that that's just it's you know, it's tough. This is a, a game that it, it pushes you to your physical limits in some ways. And uh and I wonder if if at running back they've told those guys where if you start feeling tired at all, like we got, you know, if you're Jalen Wright, we can take you out and bring down Samson in and, and keep it going pretty good. So um yeah, those were the probably a couple of things that uh the end of the half at Kentucky and then the red zone offense was uh more detailed than we'd definitely ever get on ever going to get on a Thursday, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that, that's what was interesting to me just because he went into such detail about it and, and admitted, I mean, even things like how long people are taking on subs, which everybody knows, everybody can see, but that's still not something Hypel says very often. And he, right. he says things like that in those settings. Yeah, you
1: you're spot on about it being detailed. I mean,
0: but. I because mean, he, he just, it was like, oh, you're actually going to talk about what things are now. This is interesting. What a new spin this is. Um, but I, I think for me, I, I, I go back to, I completely agree with you, that in the red zone stuff, I still would rather go tempo than be 100% on the play call because I but I still think I lean that way in the red zone, but especially in short yardage situations. I think I would almost trade because Hypo again went into detail about how everybody talks about matchups on the perimeter because they can see a wide receiver and a cornerback in space or a safety or, or like a when, when you get a good slot receiver lined up against a, a linebacker, you go, ooh, 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 that's a great matchup. But he said that just as much or more so, the matchups on the interior on the offensive line matter in certain play calls. Like, if you, you know, there's a difference in a 330 pound nose and like a 280 pound three tech in terms of do you want to run at that guy or not? Like, there are different matchups. Do we want to double this guy? Do we want to double that guy? What do we want to do? So I get that all of that matters. But when you're struggling the way they are in short yardage and you know that the thing people hate facing against Tennessee is the tempo. Because it's not that it's a complex offense. It's, it's, it's really – it's not. Most offenses aren't that complex at the college level. But they do things so quickly that you're not ready for it, and that's where you have a lot of success. So I would lean into that if I'm struggling on short yardage just to change it up a little bit and say, you know what? Here are four third and short calls that we really like. We like all four of them. Some are better in some situations than others. But here's like our three or four, basically two-point plays, basically and here's what we're going to run there. Or we know if it's third and inches or fourth and inches, got 240-pound, 245-pound quarterback, we're going to sneak it. Or whatever it is that you're going to do, even though Mays isn't a huge center. I just think I would be willing to make that trade and go tempo over making sure you get the call right because I, I just think what you're doing is not working. Like this third and short, fourth and short offense is not very good. And so in the red zone, okay, some of that stuff I get. But even then... I think when when your tempo is what bothers people, like what's that old Sun Tzu art of war? Like never do something your opponent wants you to do. Ten, they want you to slow down. They want to catch their breath. Right? We're like, getting
1: philosophical here. No,
0: but what I'm saying is never do something your opponent wants you to do. Never do that. Right. And, and so, well, I, I would go. I would keep the tempo going, and I would try that and see if that kind of you know if if Joe Milton's a guy who likes to get hit, and that gets him in the flow of the game. We'll just keep them in the flow of a game. Don't make them think too much. Just go out there and run the play.
1: Well, I've seen a lot of you know some criticism of, of the the bunch formations that they use because um, you know it, it, it teams are able to crowd the box with eight nine guys and, and they can't block it. They did that for me. they use that formation a lot. They went under center quite a bit last season. I don't you know I don't think it was like fifteen or twenty percent of the time, but in those situations, it was something that they went to frequently. And it's not that and, Squirrel White can't block. And it either. worked. It's
0: not that Squirrel White can't block because he could block better than Jalen Hyatt could, and they still did that stuff and it worked.
1: Well, I mean, I well, I've said this before. I think Jalen Hyatt was an underrated blocker for his size, but for his size, for uh, his size, yes. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, and, and to your point, bringing up Squirrel, he had a great block on the on the sweep to ice of the game the other night. One of the plays of the game, um, right? The uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the you know, bringing the receivers in and and all that. The, it worked last season because they did it quickly. You know, now they do it slowly, and now teams mm-hmm. can load the box. They get their feet in the ground. They're expecting runs, so they're coming downhill at, at the at the second, third levels with the linebackers and safeties. Um, and so that that's been an issue. And you're you're not when you slow it down and do that, you are getting as you said, you're doing something that you don't do right. Yeah. Like you're getting out of character because uh, your run game works because you you create favorable situations numbers wise, and then you you know you're not just gonna. Line up and and drive Alabama three yards off the ball. It's just not, not, it's what, not what, you what you're do. built to not, do. Not what they do. So I, I think in the red zone, I think it's it, it's been, if it's not one thing, it's the other, right? I mean, they had a couple, they, you know, missed throw here and there against Alabama. You know, they had a sack the other day against Kentucky. They had a, a penalty on John Campbell for holding that that got them. You know, they had first and ten. I think at the inside the fifteen, if there's not a hold there, of course. Milton probably gets sacked if, if there's not the hold, but true um, the, after the, uh, after the Thornton play in the third quarter, they, I've thought they need to use Milton's running a little bit more in the red zone. Cause he's again, that's an extra number for you when, when the field shrinks and, and they tried to do that after the big play to Thornton, they ran a, a, an option that didn't, that the Kentucky strung out pretty well. And then they tried to do a kind of a draw or power play that just was too slow developing and Kentucky crashed in and got it for a loss. And then, on that third down, they had Jacob Warren coming open, but by the time he was open, there was a guy in Milton's face and he couldn't get the ball off. So just little things, right? And, and if it was one big glaring issue, right, I mean, it would be obvious. These players work hard enough. These coaches are smart enough that they would fix it. So um they, they've got to be able to, to find ways to continue to run the ball. They run the ball so well between the 20s and they get down there and it kind of gets bogged down. I don't know if it's again because if you have to sub your running back out your defense the defense could bring in four fresh new guys up front against your tired guys right I mean uh maybe it's that simple maybe it's not but uh that that's an area too in this particular game to kind of segue and get us maybe close to the finish line here yeah uh, we're, we're, we're at the, the finish, boxes basically. yeah that that's one of the boxes if you're Tennessee you want to check because you want to you want to convert in the red zone and and uconn has got a statistically I think they're like top 20 in red zone defense. Mm-hmm. So you want to show that you can finish drives and uh, even against a team like this, you want to be able to go and be able to, you know, put the ball on the ground in the last few plays of a drive and, and get in the end zone. Because, you know, again, if you're trying to create separation early, you can do that by scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. So. Uh, I know, I know. Hypel's is a big Charles Campbell fan, but he would prefer that Campbell only has to run out there for extra points instead of field goals.
0: Yeah, uh, and I, I would say the Rommel Keaton drop is also another short yardage. That was maybe one of the top three or four play calls of the entire season. Just a unbelievable play call for the perfect time. Got the play that you wanted, and you know Keaton just dropped the ball. I mean that's life; it happens. But um, also, stop getting penalties. Stop getting false start penalties immediately when you get to the red zone. They've done that like four times this season, where they get to the red zone and the first thing they do is get a false start because then you're stopping play for the officials to go make the call. And then you're letting the defense see what formation you were just in so they can make changes if they want to. There, they can see what you know, and then you're first and 15 or first and 20. So then you're getting in a, in a, in, you know, you're getting behind the chain. So the coaches stop and oh, go, Wait a minute, does this change what we're running here on first down? And, and so the whole thing kind of bogs down, but yeah, I mean, it's just there's a lot of things that need to be better. And if we're honest, if you want to beat Mizzou and you want to beat Georgia you can't kick field goals in the red zone. You can't, you can't do that. So there's a lot to work on. And at least maybe uh, this weekend is an opportunity to sort of just get some of that stuff, get back in the right headspace with it. Famous last words, but you know, maybe just the opportunity to kind of get there and get some things cleaned up. But uh, anyways, guys, I think we're pretty much at the end here. Thanks for being a little patient this week. We've had a a weird week of like you know guys not little little bit of a sickness bug here or there kids at school weird things happening so our schedule's been a little bit off this week we've still gotten everything out just sometimes a little bit later than we'd like so thank you to everyone for being patient with us we're back on we're back on track now we're we're good uh, it was yukon week for us too so uh just uh bear with us there and thank you for that and thank you to uh to Pat for being here I appreciate it man
1: you're welcome have a good night
0: for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs and that's after a quick free trial and once you pay us that reasonable rate which is again, less than one mediocre lunch per month you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies you get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That, that is so much stuff, so much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to govalls 247com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.